Welcome to the CRE Shark Eye Show, where we discuss commercial real estate. This is your host, Ishai Breslauer. Here we meet every Monday to talk commercial real estate and prop tech. We will dive deep into the different asset classes, discuss the market, talk about the new and exciting technologies, meet key people in the industry, and get some inspiration. Let's begin. Hey guys, before we start, I just want to point out the six best secrets for commercial real estate. It's a free download. Go to the text side and you will find it. It has absolutely great information, completely free, how to become a landlord, how to determine the value of a property, or creative financing for commercial real estate. All of it is completely free. Go download it. Also, I want to point out my CRE crash course. It's a two-week must-have program with a must-have skills for commercial real estate, like investment strategies, the must-have financial terms, how a deal is done. Go take a look at it. Go to the text side and click on the link. And now let's continue with our program. Hey, guys. How are you? This is Ishai Breslauer, your host of the CRE Shark Eye Show. Hope you guys are doing well today. We're going to talk about something a little different today. Uh, meaning every show is different, every guest is different, but our guest today is an attorney who specializes in many, many aspects, um, and real estate is one of them in a different format than we know, and we're going to hear about that. We're going to talk about um, securities. We're going to talk about startups. We're going to talk about many other things. Startups we talk about because we are we usually talk about PropTech also, but uh, without further ado, Jonathan, Feniak, uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Excellent, excellent. You know what? Then before we even dig into your story, if you could give us a two-minute elevator pitch about your business and about your practice. We are really a legal tech company. We're focused on uh, asset protection and privacy. And the basis, sort of the starting point for asset protection for most folks is going to be an entity, form an LLC, form a corporation, um, we form over 2,000 companies a month for our clients, uh, many of them based in Wyoming. Wyoming has fantastic asset protection laws, and so they will form a Wyoming holding company and subsidiary companies in states all over the country. Uh, a huge part of that for our clients is privacy, making sure that they are they, they are very wealthy, many of them, uh, but people should not be able to see how wealthy you are with a search on the internet, with open corporates or something else. It shouldn't be at someone's fingertips how much property you own. Um, we also focus on uh, asset protection trust. They're sort of the gold standard in um, asset protection for an individual. When you have business-related risk and liability, Entities do a good job, especially with the holding company structure and insurance or protecting you from that risk and, and really being ruinous when it comes to your personal finances. But there's a certain amount of risk each of us have as we walk around in the world. And if you're a, a real estate developer or a real estate investor, you are likely to be named as an individual in any litigation against one of your companies. They're going to say that you did something separate and distinct from what the entity itself was doing, or you're so intertwined with the business. And so how do you protect your personal assets from that personal liability? A, uh, an LLC is, is really not going to help, but Wyoming, there's been this arms race among um, uh, various states to create incredibly protective trust and limited liability company laws. And, and, and that's really where we live is 
helping our clients protect their assets. They've worked so hard to grow and build so that a single event does not ruin them. So that was one of the most uh, um, elaborated two-minute elevator pitches that I've ever heard. That was good. Thank <laughs> Sorry. you. Uh, no, no, it's, it's great. I'll tell you. And, and it just shows us that we have a lot to learn today, especially. So uh, that would be great. You're going to educate us in some stuff that we actually need to know. Um, the one thing that I would like to start with is how did you get into this? Yeah, so I, I, uh, I'm actually a third career lawyer. <laughs> I, I think a lot, of, a lot of lawyers, there's, there's some of us out here who I think bring a, a great deal to the profession because we were out in the real world. We saw how things can go wrong um, and we had real skin in the game. I think a lot of lawyers, if a lawyer you know, goes from undergrad to law school and then becomes a lawyer, what did they actually see? They know the law inside and out, but do they know the realities of a, a negotiation? And when you've got someone else in a, a business partner, when things are going wrong, I started out in operations in Manhattan. I was a district operations um, manager in, uh, for DHL. I ran uh, all of lower Manhattan and ran operations on September 11th. And so sort of, you know, uh, under pressure, uh, didn't fold. Um, but also worked with a lot of guys who were in the military and the way the military approaches things. I think a lot of us uh, can adapt in our personal lives and things like, you know, they say one is none, two is one. Um, uh, what does that mean? Well, well, one LLC may not be enough. Two LLCs would be equal to one LLC, right? So having a holding company, two LLCs. Um, uh, at, that, that was a very difficult industry to be in. Um, the hours stunk. I spent, you know, so many days on the, at the airport, on the tarmac, you know, at 4am at 3am waiting for planes to come in and stuff and, and the weather and so on. And so I, I began to uh, pursue an MBA, uh, got an MBA and went into uh, finance, uh, was raising money for uh, hedge funds and also working to invest money for those hedge funds. So finding deals, looked at a lot of business plans, invested in a lot of companies. Um, uh, last count, over $100 million of transactions that I was the lead on, and then raised hundreds of millions of dollars for those, uh, those hedge funds so that they can invest that money. Um, uh, moved on from there and became a financial advisor, working with many of the same high net worth clients, but doing more traditional things. I was at Wells Fargo Advisors. I was a licensed seven and 66 uh, a securities um, uh, broker. Uh, a registered investment uh, a professional, and also insurance licensed. And so I understand that side of the business, work with a lot of wealthy folks, how they approach uh, investments and what it is they're actually looking to get out of it, which many of them it is to do well, but protect their downside. They realize that things do happen over the course of an investing career. When you get to the point, perhaps that you're just in stocks or bonds, uh, there isn't a lot of risk which flows from those uh, investments, but many of them would have a portfolio that was, you know, was half in stocks and bonds, sort of, sort of low risk from the personal liability perspective. But then the other half would be in, uh, in investment property, would be in commercial real estate or uh, single family rentals, multifamily, those kinds of things. Tremendous amount of liability um, comes out of those types of investments. And um, uh, I, I, I got tired though of you know, the, the, the world of finance, there's all this sort of fintech uh, g g going on there. And it wound up being where 
the uh, Wells Fargo and, 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 you know, not to ding on Wells Fargo advisors, but, you know, they wanted the financial advisors, bring in the client, get them in and then move on to the next. And I, I wasn't really um, uh, learning about my clients' issues and really coming up with new solutions, right? I, 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 I never was able to come up with new solutions for my clients or rarely. And so I, I went to law school uh, in my mid forties and got a law degree uh, focusing on what I'm doing now. So business law, trust and estate law, um, and, and getting a firm foundation um, from a, a, the legal side, knowing that I understood sort of the real risks of those types of endeavors and, and where the risk is going to come from with that next business venture or real estate investment. And um, uh, began working with right out of law school, um, began working with uh, uh, the, the, the team I'm with now, uh, we form, you know, thousands of companies for our clients every month, and we're really niche focused asset protection and privacy. You know, if you want someone to negotiate your next business deal or the sale of your company, we're, we're not your guys. What we're going to do is, is work with you at the inception of the companies to make sure that you're going to be protected if things don't work out. Or if you have an existing investment portfolio or invest in an existing business, how can we enhance your asset protection so that if things do go wrong, you're going to walk away with not having lost everything and go on to fight another day. You know, having been, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not that old, but, you know, three, four or five crises over the course of my, of my life already have ruined so many of my friends, whether they were in finance, whether they were in real estate, whether they were, you know, pick, pick it. There have been people who have lost it all during, you know, the 2000 uh, crisis, Y2K, or in the post uh, 9-11 real estate market or in the 2008 financial and residential or real estate collapse, there are the, the you know, I say my history, my, my friends, my clients, um, there have been those who have, who have really lost it all and had to, had to try to do it all again. And so I wanna help my clients now not ever be in that, not ever be in that place. You know what, you gave us so much. And what, what I wanna focus right now is on a question um, is there a size, because you said high net worth individuals and people who own a lot of properties and have a certain amount of portfolios, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a certain threshold, a certain size where you say um, from that point, you have to start worrying? I'll give you like a live example. Uh, let's say a star, someone who started with uh, commercial real estate recently and bought a small multifamily, let's say a 10 unit. Is that in the category? Uh, five units is in the category. Uh, only... Uh, Obviously, one unit is in the category. Why? <laughs> you know, okay, I, go ahead. so if if it's going to be one unit and that's it, you're done. I'm going to buy one place and I'm never going to buy anything else. Then fine. Really don't worry about it. Insure up. Um, if if though this is the beginning of an empire and I think most people in real estate, it sort of sneaks up on them They They start out with one. And next thing they know, they've got 10. Right. Or they've got 20 or they've got 100 units that they're responsible for, that they have liability for. And so it's much easier to start out correctly. It doesn't cost any more to do it early. Right. Uh, get it, get it, get the structure established at the beginning. And it's much easier to protect yourself for, for the long term. I do have some people, you know, people call up and I've got, you know, 25 rental properties or 25 units and they're all in my personal name and there's no limited liability protection, what do I do? It's tough, it's tough, right? You're already known 
uh, or it's already known that you are a wealthy individual. Anyone can do a search and attorneys have access to all sorts of databases where they can look and find out how wealthy is this person that I'm contemplating suing. And I, I like to listen in on um, calls with uh, you know plaintiff's attorneys, um, do a lot of the uh, continuing legal education where you get people who are talking about, you know, uh, how, how do I decide to take this case? And um, one of the things that they do is they look and they say, how well healed is this plaintiff? I'm sorry, this defendant. Do they have significant resources uh, that are going to allow us to sue above their insurance policy limits? And if they look in a database and see that you own 100 pieces of property, they will. They'll sue for more. Right. Uh, let me, I want to stop for a second because... Yeah. We're already going to the to the what people are thinking, how people are finding in the internet. That's a topic I want to touch in a second. But I want to I want to ask you for if you give us an example of a, of a bad uh, setup of an LLC or a corporation or whatever that could put person in a, a certain liability. And what would you do if you could give us like a sort of a live example? Sure. What would you do from the very beginning? What you said it won't cost more money. It will mm-hmm. be beneficial for that company or the person to do that. Uh, in order to protect themselves, if you could give us a live example of something sure. that is done, I wouldn't call it wrong, but not right, right. And where you come in and make it right. If you could give us like an example in terms of the structure. So, so an example is that people set up an LLC and then don't treat it with any respect. They don't respect their entity. Uh, if you don't respect it, a court's not going to re- respect it. And the court is going to just hold you personally liable. They're going to say that that entity is your alter ego. So what people will do is they form an LLC, they title the property in an LLC, but then they accept the rent checks in their personal name. The rent checks are coming in via Venmo in an account that's, that's theirs. They go and they pay their landscaper. The landscaper mows their lawn at their house and mows the lawn on the property, right? So what they've done now is they've commingled the assets of the company with their own. Where is the distinction between the two? And a court will look at that and say, this isn't a real company. We don't know what's yours and what's the company's. So we're going to say that everything you own is the company's asset. That's something people come to us and say, I set up an LLC. What, what more do I need to do? Annual meeting minutes, right? At an absolute minimum. I want to see ongoing meeting minutes. When there's a contribution into the LLC, then there should be meeting minutes associated with that. If there's money coming out of the LLC distributions, meeting minutes coming with, from that. If there's significant actions being taken at the LLC level, you're deciding what insurance carrier to go with, right? So you, you talk to three different insurance carriers, get quotes, you identify which one's best for you, and you make a decision, meeting minutes for that. All of those things then are going to, number one, we've created a record of uh, uh, the, the, the business and what it's done. And they're also going to be protected by something called the business judgment rule. Right? You've used your judgment to make a decision related to that company. You can't be faulted, uh, or it's very difficult to fault you in the future for that decision. You chose this contractor to put in the set of steps. You screwed up, right? And you should be held personally liable because the contractor did a bad job. I'd use the business judgment rule. I interviewed three contractors, and this was the best one for the job based on the information I had available. But you made a decision based on that. If, if, if you fail to do those things, then you and the company are one and the same. The other thing that I see people do is the commingling of funds. They are, um, uh, maybe they are accepting rent payments into one account, but then they go and they're, you know, making their personal car payment out of that rental 
uh, account, right? The one that collected the income on the business, or they're paying personal expenses out of it. They treat it as their personal piggy bank. And it, it shouldn't be. If the monies, if the, the business expenses, valid business expenses are paid out of that account, all the income goes into that account. And when you're ready to spend it, meeting minutes for a distribution, 5,000, 10,000, 100, whatever the number is that comes out to you. And there's a record showing it's, it's not me spending the money out of the company. This was my profit share, which was distributed to me. And so th those are small things that you can do with your company, record keeping from the start and maintaining that distinction between yourself and the company. You are not the company. Even if it's a one person LLC, you're not the company. So, so what, what we offer uh, our clients is, is these uh, e easy access to these kinds of documents, right? How do I prepare meeting minutes? It doesn't need to be anything fancy, but you need, just need to do it. Right? So they go into our client portal. If we form your LLC and you sign up for additional meeting minutes, pay a small fee, and then you can create unlimited uh, additional meeting minutes, uh, uh, fill out a small questionnaire, and then documents are gener generated for you. You uh, electronically sign them. And what I like to imagine is that I'm in a, a, a courtroom and the other side is saying, this is really just this, the LLC is this person's alter ego and they should both be held liable because they will. The plaintiff's attorney will fight for that, but you have a stack of documents that you're showing them. Here's the hundred meeting minutes we've had over last year, your honor. It's obviously a real company. Let's, let's not even talk about this anymore, right? And if you show them your bank account, if they, they wanna see your bank records, uh, and, and it's, it's highly, highly probable that they would be able to see them. Um, you, you, it's going to show that there is nothing but valid business expenses coming out of that business bank account. You've taken away all of their ammunition in terms of being able to hold you personally accountable for the liabilities of the business. But you know what? That sounds more like a problem for uh, um, a smaller business, meaning yeah. the larger businesses don't have that problem because okay. everything goes through their, their corporations, LLCs, right. et cetera, et cetera. The one who is, I would call it in between, who's mm -hmm. starting up and has already a few properties, has already right. a few things going on, have a few businesses, that type of a person is, is in danger because he right. will probably, it's more likely that they will, he or she, right. they will mix up the business and the personal right. life. Right. That's right. Good. But you know what? Right. You educated us with something that is, that is really tremendous. And the meeting minutes, meaning it's something that I never thought about it. So, um, uh, that's an that's an incredible that's an incredible revelation. That's an incredible thing. Um, the one thing I would like to touch, and we started talking about it right before we started recording. If you could just give us a little bit, you know, enlighten us about what is asset protection, what is it, and what is the whole thing about uh, that you guys uh, you know help out. Well, the, well, there's two kinds of uh, liability that most people are faced with. One's going to be I call it bottom up. Uh, liability. Somebody slips and falls on your uh, piece of real estate. They're going to sue the entity. They're going to go after the insurer there. If they're not satisfied with the amount they're being paid, whatever assets are inside the LLC, they'll go after them. And then if they're still not satisfied, then they're going to try to get to the owners of that LLC. You put, set up a holding company, which is the owner of that company, which actually has the liability to protect you from personal risk. So we've set up a, you know, they, they effectively have to win twice to get to you and your personal assets. Highly unlikely, especially with a Wyoming LLC. Uh, that, that kind of liability protection is, is one that you know, most people are familiar with. The other kind is the kind that we each have as individuals walking around in the world. 
are you just a target because you're a wealthy individual? If Beyonce gets in a car accident, uh, they're suing her for $10 million, even if it's just a fender bender, because they know how wealthy she is, right? Do they know how wealthy you are from just looking you up on the internet? Hopefully they, they aren't able to, if you've worked with us, we've helped you establish entities which are not listed in your name. Uh, you are not known to be a wealthy person. I guess if you're driving your Ferrari around and you hit them with your Ferrari, they're gonna know, but generally they're not gonna be able to find out how wealthy you are because we assist with setting up entities that are uh, formed privately and anonymously. Now, what if they do though know that you're wealthy? It's already too late. You can establish an asset protection trust and I call this top-down liability. An asset protection trust or a Wyoming holding company where if they sue you as an individual, can they get to those real estate holdings you have or all of that cash and investment uh, property that you have? And, and with a Wyoming asset protection trust, those assets are going to be shielded from the claims of your personal creditors. If you're, if you're asked, what assets do you own? There's some sort of asset disclosure at the end of a uh, litigation. The answer is going to be nothing or very little, maybe your, your primary residence, right? And what's in your checking account. Anything you had placed into a Wyoming asset protection trust, you could say, I, I don't own that. You don't have a property interest in those assets. You are uh, not the owner of them. And you can, without committing perjury, say, I don't own them, right? They're not mine. I don't have the ability, even if I wanted to, I couldn't pay you with these assets. The other thing that you can do is if you're not quite ready for a, uh, an asset protection trust, because those are even more complicated and there are uh, uh, quite a bit of expenses associated with them, um, having a Wyoming holding company as the owner of all of your subsidiary LLCs provides a tremendous benefit because Wyoming has something called charging order protection. And it is the sole remedy of a judgment creditor in Wyoming. What is charging order protection? Charging order protection means that a plaintiff is not permitted to break into your LLCs and foreclose on its assets or take your membership interest in those LLCs. The best that they can do if you have a Wyoming LLC is get a charging order against it. And that means that if there's distributions which are made, that plaintiff will receive them. They snatch them up, they take them away from you, but they can't force a distribution. And it actually, you can create a situation where that plaintiff who has a charging order, that judgment creditor, that uh, you don't actually make distributions. They just have an allocation of the profit. So they basically, anyone in real estate knows about phantom income, right? Who's to say, wait a minute, I have all this uh, capital gain I need to pay tax on, but I never got any money. You can do the same thing with that judgment creditor holding a charging order. Congratulations, the company you have a charging order against made a million dollars in profit, but the members and managers have decided they're going to reinvest that in a new piece of property. Uh, but it's, it's going to take six months to find that new investment. Uh, here is a K-1 for your pro rata share of the profits. Go pay the tax on it. At some point in the future, you are going to get a distribution, maybe, um, but uh, pay the taxes on it now. For that reason, very few judgment creditors will take a or get a charging order against a Wyoming LLC. That's why you have a holding company in Wyoming. Let's uh, 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 talk about if you had a LLC in New York. Somebody sues you. Or Delaware a, for that. Aspect. Or Delaware. Right. Because, well, because, because the Delaware is a very desirable uh, location for LLCs. A lot of people are going there naturally. And I, I don't hear many people who are taking LLCs in Wyoming. If you could. Yeah. 
you know, elaborate. Uh, oh, oh, I, I, I can absolutely talk about that. And, 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 and there's been, so Wyoming was actually the uh, first state to recognize LLCs. Um, they, they have uh, a, a great body of law when it comes to LLCs. There is a, a, a feeling by many that they need to be in Delaware at some sort of cachet associated with. And, and I would agree with that if you are uh, raising outside capital then a Delaware LLC um, is the place to be. It has a court of chancery and uh, investors in real estate like to know that they're going to get a speedy adjudication of, of any internal conflicts with, with the members, managers, uh, and so on. Um, but Delaware is, uh, uh, tends to be more expensive uh, you know, for a, a very wealthy individual. Perhaps that's not an, an issue. But there's also not the focus on protecting the interests of the, the members from outside claims, right? There is more of a focus on how can we create a fairer playing field for investors and for the company. Wyoming has something called a close limited liability company. This is not available under Delaware law. And a close LLC, I call it a kitchen table company, where you have a you know, a husband and wife, a couple of friends, a small group of uh, investors who are um, forming an LLC. They're not going out and raising capital from Silicon Valley. Uh, they're not going to be raising money from outside investors. And what it says is that there's a very light record keeping requirement on the company. It can't be used against you. Those things I talked about, meeting minutes and annual, all those things. It can't be used against you to pierce the veil and come after you personally if your records aren't pristine. Right. In other states, failing to maintain appropriate records, statutorily mandated uh, entity records can effectively lead to a veil piercing and make you personally responsible. So thinking about what this LLC, this holding company you're establishing is doing, are you are you raising outside capital? Right. If you are, Delaware is probably the place to be. If you're investing your own money or money with a, a close group of, uh, of friends or co-investors, Wyoming is the place to be. Uh, it prevents those bottom-up plaintiffs from getting to you, and it provides that charging order protection. It's focused on asset protection for you, the members, not protecting third parties or allowing third parties to go after the assets in that LLC. And I'm assuming that you're giving service also for those who have LLCs elsewhere, obviously. Yeah, well, we... We, uh, I'm licensed in Wyoming and Colorado. Uh, we have attorneys who are licensed in, uh, who work with us, who are licensed in Florida, New York, California, New Jersey. Um, uh, but many folks come to us for that Wyoming holding company, and then they have separate real estate counsel in Ohio or in Arkansas or wherever the heck they have their, their property. Uh, we will set up the LLCs. Most of those subsidiary LLCs are going to be ones where there's it's it's really just acting as a liability blocker uh, with the ownership predominantly occurring at the Wyoming level. Um, what Wyoming is the premier location for a holding company for a closely held company. This close limited liability supplement is a is a huge benefit. I want to shift gears a little bit and go to the the aspect that you have a lot of experience with, and that is. A lot of people in real estate are raise capital and the whole aspect of broker dealerships, securities, et cetera. Can you give us a little bit of information what they have to be careful from? Why do they need a person such as your firm to, to help them out with that? Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, what what we don't do is securities offerings, right? But what we help our clients figure out is, do they want to even do a securities offering? Um, uh, there, there are some small things that with with small groups. I, I mean, if you're going and you're looking to raise, you know, tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, then you absolutely should go and you know hire a law firm, which can provide you with all the documentation you need and protect you from you know, committing securities fraud, as well as all liability that comes along with it. But the, the, there will be folks who are like, yeah, well, the, there's me and my five uh, family members, you know, are going to uh, start investing in real estate together. So I'm going to do everything. They're just going to give me their money and I'm going to go find the properties. I'm going to manage the properties. And I, I, I tell them that's a that's securities offering, right? There's, there's this how we test everyone. Everyone's heard of it, this old uh, uh, SEC case. In a scenario like that, I say it's possible, right? Don't make it a securities offering. If you make it a securities offering, you have number one, the registration requirements and the cost of doing it. And number two, uh, you are exposing yourself to all this excess liability in the event that things go wrong, saying you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go do the securities registration. If things go wrong, you're going to be brought up not only in securities fraud charges, but all, all sorts of other things. You're going to have a whole, a whole mess of trouble. So how do you do that raise with family members or a smaller group and, and, and structure so that it's not going to be treated as securities offering, right? It's going to be involvement of those individuals and in decision-making for the entity. Yes, there's going to be one person who's making the majority of the, the day-to-day decisions, but you set it up as a manager-managed LLC, not member-managed. The manager has certain responsibilities up to a certain dollar amount or, or certain uh, transactions they can or can't do. But then you're going to make those uh, members of the LLC get together and talk about the investments and you're going to keep meeting minutes for it, right? So now they're driving the entity uh, as much as you are, right? In terms of the, the long-term growth and prospects of the company. That removes it from a securities offering because it's not solely from the efforts of others. Everyone's involved. And they can at some later date say, I had no idea what was going on with this investment. No, here's the meeting minutes. You were there. You made the decision about whether to buy. And can it sell. be done also with an LLC from Delaware, for example? Yeah. Or only yeah. from any, no, any no, LLC? Any LLC, right? So, so if, if, if you want to do a securities offering and, and there's a, uh, the capital raise required to do it, then great. Just don't inadvertently get yourself to the point where you're doing a securities offering and, and didn't intend to. Right. And that's the, the that dividing line. The one uh, that really trips people up is, you know, who's doing all of the work. If everyone's involved and everyone's participating, it's not a securities offering. It's just with a partnership. We opened up a taco truck, you know, and you and I are deciding whether we're buying ground beef or ground pork every day. Right. It's very similar. Is it that that's not a securities offering? That's just a partnership. And so who's making the decisions? Don't just take people's money. And then tell them you're going to handle everything and invest it for them because then you've likely uh, moved over into a securities offering and you've got a whole, um, you know, m- maybe it makes sense, maybe it doesn't, but there needs to be some real thought, f- thought put behind that to make sure you're not inadvertently entering into a securities offering or offering security. You know, moving, moving ahead, um, we spoke also opening prior to uh, starting, you know, the show we spoke a little bit about startups and I saw that this is a big thing in your LinkedIn. You talk about startups and a lot of our listeners, people I deal with, I personally deal with that in the prop tech industry, property technology industry. So startups is a big thing today that is obviously related to the real estate part because a lot of people are coming with all kinds of solution, technology solutions for the 
construction industry, property management industry, acquisitions, you know, every single thing is becoming digitized and becoming a, a tech, becoming a startup. Uh, tell us a little bit about, from your side of things, what can you tell uh, people who are getting into startups? Before you start, just want to tell everybody, guys, this is not, this show is not any, in any way, you know, advice or legal advice or any single thing like that. Uh, you'll have to actually contact Jonathan directly and hire him in order to do that. This is just not an advice. We just schmoozing. We're just talking here. So, right. Jonathan, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and 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 this happens all the time, right? So people say, well, you you know, Google's in Delaware, so I need to form a Delaware C corp, right? I need to form a Delaware corporation and be, make it a Delaware C corp right from the start. I just have an idea, but I'm going to go do that thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Start small. I the the path I love is one where you do a Wyoming close limited liability company. It's you and your partner. You're bootstrapping this thing. You're proving out the concepts as things are progressing. And you're like, man, you know, uh, we could use a little bit of money. Think about what I just said. Don't make it a securities offering yet, right? Get people who are going to be, maybe they have some money and they can participate in the company, right? So you're not going immediately to a capital raise. It's, it's going to cost you 25 grand to do a securities offering. Where's that money coming from? Your pre-revenue uh, it's it's challenging to do that. So I think you start small, start with a partnership, bring in some partners, true partners, not just passive investors. Those people are going to add value and are participating in the meetings and helping drive the direction of the company. Then when things are, are start to go well, you can make the decision, okay, we're going to start raising outside capital. At that point, you could you, you could do something called a continuance or domestication of your Wyoming company to Delaware. And uh, you can move companies. This is something people don't know. Start in a low cost, easy, friendly jurisdiction like Wyoming. And then as you're growing and looking to take outside money, at that point, you can domesticate or move your company, keep your EIN number, keep your bank account, keep your data formation, keep your name, as long as it's still available in that other state, and move the company to Delaware. Maybe you move it to Delaware as an LLC, right? You've got some investors who like the certainty of the court of chancery and and they're they're still willing to invest in a partnership and they're going to be involved but they they feel more comfortable with delaware law because they've got 10 other investments they've made or they're participating in 10 other companies they want to have one jurisdiction so you move it to uh, a delaware from llc from wyoming llc in delaware and then things are going starting to go well right and the company is going to raise some more money at that point you could do a conversion from an llc to a corporation, right? You could change its tax status. And so there's this building process. Each of those things takes more complexity and there's more cost associated with it. Having a, a corporation uh, or an LLC in Wyoming, you know, the state fee is $100 to form it and it's $50 a year to maintain it. In Delaware, for a Delaware corporation, your annual fee could be up to $250,000. Right, depending on how many shares you've issued, the assets of the company, and so on. And so, do you want to take on that cost right at the start? Does it make sense? You're you're incubating this thing. You know, the, the, there's another thing under Wyoming law. It's called the Series LLC. And there's there's folks who have, you know, they have ideas uh, in this uh, startup world, and and they're not sure if they're even going to work. 
And so what you can form is a series LLC and it costs for the cost of one LLC, you can get 10 LLCs. So a series LLC acts like a mini holding company structure. You've got your, your top level, top level LLC and below it, right at formation, you get 10 separate LLCs, but you only, you're only paying for one LLC. And each of those separate LLCs could be a, a cool idea that you're going to incubate, see if it works out. If it doesn't work out, doesn't matter. Just let, let that one go. It didn't, didn't cost you anything additional. If one of them really takes off, you could take that one, move it into its own Delaware uh, uh, LLC or corporation. So don't get too uh, excited or think that you're going to be the next Google. I hope you are. But when it comes down to it, most companies are going to fail at the early stages. Do it in a judicious way and make it easy on yourself as opposed to trying to go to a very complex C-Corp corporation, Delaware structure that's going to be very expensive and complicated to maintain. You're probably going to trip yourself up at some point. Take it slow, start easy, and then build from there. That's a great tip. And you know what? I want to tell everybody, um, you guys heard so many tips today, and I have a couple of more questions for you and your business, uh, Jonathan. But uh, I think that that was uh, tremendous advice, meaning that you gave to everybody tremendous tips. Uh, and again, no legal advice here, no financial no. advice. We're just schmoozing and talking. And uh, if you guys want to hear the rest as per how it can help your business, you guys can, should definitely contact Jonathan directly. Jonathan, I want to ask you another question, uh, and it's more related to your business. Uh, you, we, again, prior to this, uh, to the show, we started schmoozing a little bit and we started saying that you want to digitize your process. You want to become a sort of a more, um, you want to make it a modern type of a company that is more digitized uh, tech company, your mm -hmm. legal company, obviously we're talking about um, mm -hmm. moving to Puerto Rico, et cetera. If you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing um, and how you're expanding and what are your plans and what if, in order to get and uh, and uh, yeah. get more market cap, getting into more to the marketplace in your case? Yeah. So so prior to uh, twenty twenty two, we were we were running uh, the operations in uh, fifteen different states, right? Where we have uh, fifteen different websites. Uh, uh, all of them were, or some of them were using the similar technology to handle the formation of entities and provide legal services uh, or quasi legal services in all of those states. And, and we, we had started out as just, we started out in Wyoming and we're just doing entity formations there and the company has grown. At the end of the day, we wound up with sort of a spaghetti of different systems for each state. And we made the decision in 2022 to start from really start from scratch and look at where was the real value and what it is we're doing. And the real value is being able to efficiently form companies and provide legal services and quasi-legal services at a low cost to as many people as possible. So um, uh, what we did is we, we hired a new tech team in Puerto Rico. We uh, started up a new company in Puerto Rico, and that new company is really just focused on the technology that's powering all of those entity formation uh, uh, websites and companies in the U.S. And the idea here is that where's the real value in what we're doing? It's not having someone, and, and we're, you know, we, we accept 
tens of thousands of pieces of mail uh, for our clients uh, every month. We receive it, we open it, we scan it, we put it into the client's uh, portal. That is a manual labor and anyone could do that, right? Anyone could open up a piece of mail. What's the hard part about that? The hard part is the technology, which allows us to make sure it gets to the right client, that they're charged appropriately, that personal uh, identifying information is shielded from uh, uh, hacks or, or otherwise. And so all these other things. And so we've, we've recalibrated uh, what it is we're doing and really are focusing on the technology component. I'm still a lawyer. Uh, I still work with clients. I work with clients and, you, you know, from, from Wyoming or from Colorado and our other attorneys are working from the, with them from other states. But it's really thinking about what is the core value that we're adding. And I think probably a lot of your clients, you can say, well, you know, going in and shoveling the sidewalk, that, that's not the value add uh, a part of the business. That's the easy part. How do you make sure someone is there? How do you make sure that, that, that they're shoveling when the snow comes? How do you make sure that they're paid properly? How do you make sure they have insur proper insurance and all these other things? That becomes the complicated part. And that's where the technology comes in. So, so we are, uh, um, you know, with all the companies we're forming, I think a lot of other uh, players out there, the clients have felt nickel and dimed on, um, on, on their entity formation. And if you go to some of, some of our competitors, you know, it's, it's upsell, 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 cross-sell. They're selling your information. They're doing all these other things to sort of monetize you. And, and we are, we're, we're not doing that. We're trying to keep it simple and add value for our clients, um, working with, you know, pr pr providing real value, not uh, selling you your information to the highest bidder, which I think many of them are doing. And you spoke about upsells, upsells, and that's exactly what's happening. And we don't know anything. <laughs> right. and it's, it's one of the things uh, I would compare uh, attorneys to uh, when you go to the car shop, you when you know, right. you go to the, you go to the, you know, go someone to, to fix your engine or something. And it tells you, Oh, you have this and you have that. And you say, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then they, they can do right. whatever you, so, right. so it's, it's very, very important to have uh, not only a trustworthy company that you can, you know, go with, but uh, having the right advice and not having all these upsells on the way and to know yeah. that you're actually saving money, not only being protected, but saving and, uh, and not uh, overpaying. Um, Jonathan, thank you so, so much for this. I really appreciate your time. This was phenomenal. And you guys can see the links above, below. Jonathan, if you could tell us, please, how everyone can find you. Yeah, wyomingllcattorney.com. Uh, is our flagship site, and that'll allow you to form uh, a Wyoming holding company, uh, uh, order and learn more about an asset protection trust, uh, form anonymous LLCs in every state, um, and schedule time with an attorney, as well as uh, we have paralegals who can assist you with our technology. They can't provide that customized legal advice, but they can provide you with the write documents that have been prepared by an attorney. Um, we, we work on a flat fee basis. There's no surprises in our billing. You sign up for what you need, you pay for it, and then you have something that's really just going to deliver on what it is you're trying to do. This is perfect. I love it. And we learned so much today. Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, you guys, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm going to see you in the next show.
Hey guys, thanks for joining me in this CRE Shark Eye Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And go subscribe, download, do whatever you guys need to do. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves.